Well, we are in week six of our summer series, Walking Through the Psalms. Uh, we've been spending some time here just looking at the Psalms, trying to figure out what God has for us in these Psalms, how God is going to speak to us, how we can apply these Psalms to our lives. Most of the time we read the Psalms and we just read and we go right through it. It's beautiful poetry, it's beautiful, but we don't really take the time to stop and to to just kind of soak it in and to learn from it. And so that's what we've been doing in this series. And so far we've gone uh, Psalm 56, David, as he's running from King Saul, when I am afraid, I will trust in you and God whose word I praise. Just talked about when we're alone or when we're afraid or when we're opposed or when we feel uh, just oppressed that we can, we can trust in God and we can trust in his word. Psalm 51, we catch a glimpse of the gospel. Sin is serious, but, but man, God is here to reconcile us if we are willing to confess and willing to, to give that up to him. Psalm 84 just talks about being in the presence of God, being in the temple of God. Psalm 95 talks about why we are here, why we worship, why we do the things we do on the weekends, why we gather together and sing and shout, and why we gather together and go through the word and just why we do it. And then last week, we talked about uh, Psalm 73, and this verse has just been running through my mind all week. As for me, it is good to be near God. It is good to be near God. And we talked about Asaph and these two perspectives that he has, and as he looks at the world and he sees the world, and he sees those who aren't living according to the law of God, and he sees and he's kind of frustrated because sometimes they're successful and sometimes it just doesn't seem fair. But then he looks at it through the perspective of God's eyes and sees truth and sees life and sees everything. And so we just talked about trusting in the goodness of God and telling about the greatness of God. As for me, it is good to be near God. This week is an awesome week. And not just because it's baptism, right? Baptism is amazing. I, I love baptism. Baptism is a time where we get to come and we get to celebrate together as people declare publicly that God is their God and that Jesus is their Savior. And they say today, in front of everyone here, this is my life. I dedicate my life to this God. I want to live for Him. And so it's an, it's an amazing week. I, I love baptism because it's not, a, it's not a small statement. This statement means a lot. To be able to say, I'm giving my life to this Jesus. I'm giving my life in this area. It means a lot. And they're giving their lives to an amazing God. And so this week, I, I felt like it'd be appropriate to, just, to, to go through a psalm this morning that just kind of talks to us about this amazing God. Now, I could have picked... A lot of different psalms. A lot of different psalms talk about who God is and some of his characteristics and all of that kind of stuff. But psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We see all throughout the psalms the, the might of God and the majesty of God. And we see all these psalms that talk about God. But I, I wanted to pick one today, and I like this one. It, may, it might be a little lesser known. We're going to be in Psalm 68 today. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 411. Uh, but I think it'll give us a picture this morning uh, of, of our God. And I think what a, what a good place to be to get a picture of our God as we go through when we do baptisms and as we see people give their lives and dedicate their lives to this God. 
And so we're going we're gonna to go through Psalm 68 today. Psalm 68, again, page 411 in our pew Bibles, if you want to join me. I'm going to go ahead and just read the whole thing here. Here's what it says. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, defender of the widows, is God and his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, my wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Mount Zalman. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze and envy you rugged mountain at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes, while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession, God, has come into view the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians. With them are the young women playing the timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is a little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There's the great throng of, of Judah's princes. And there are the princes of Nebulun and of Naphtali. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd of bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may the beast bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. To him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice, proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. 
The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. And there is so much good stuff in this psalm. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff in this psalm in general. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's kind of confusing. There's a lot of stuff that's really good. But, but there's a lot of stuff in this psalm that teaches us a lot of truth about the God that we come to worship and the God that these people being baptized come to give their lives to this morning. Now, Psalms are interesting, though. It's not like, a, not like we're going through Paul where we get one truth that's going to lead to another truth that's going to lead to another truth. Psalms oftentimes are just in themes. The writer will bring up a theme and just talk through this theme and bring out this is, this is a truth, but this is kind of in a theme of how I'm writing. And so I think David here, this author, does this in some beautiful ways. And like I said, there's a, there's a lot of psalms that talk about the greatness and the goodness and the might and the care. I mean, you can pick an adjective about God, and there's a psalm that probably talks about it somewhere. But I like this psalm, and it's unique because in this psalm, there are at least six names and six words used for the word God or Lord. There's Yah and Yahweh and Adonai and Shaddai and El and Elohim, the, uh, it's as if David is saying, like, this, this God can't just be described. He can't be put in this one box, right? These are just the names for God or for the Lord. This is not including all of the titles that he gives God in this psalm. And there's, you see there's a ton of them in here. And, and a, this picture begins to form of who God is, of what he's done and what he is still doing. This is, this is a picture of God on the move. And I want to pick up as many of these themes as we can this morning as we continue. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be able to hit them all. But I want to pick up on as many of these as we can just to catch a glimpse of this God that we come to worship today. And here's the, the first picture that we get is that God is awesome. God is awesome. Actually, we're not even going to start at the beginning. We're going to the last verse of this psalm here, Psalm 30, or verse 35. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. You are awesome in your sanctuary. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but this statement sums up everything in the previous 34 verses. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. David, the writer in the psalm, I mean, he, he's picturing God as a whole throughout history. He's marching around the heavens. He's marching across the earth. He's, he's riding clouds. He's scattering his enemies. He's, there's earthquakes and there's rain and all of these images. You, you cannot read this psalm and not just be in awe of who God is. This is a powerful God. This is a mighty God. This is the God who saves. This is the... This is, an amazing God. You cannot just read this psalm casually. This God is an awesome God. Oftentimes we do this. We read through the psalms and we just think, ah, oh, that's, that's really good stuff. And we don't stop to think about it. But if you just stop and think about the things that are said about God in this psalm, and this is an awesome God. But not only is God awesome, God is active. David talks about how active God is. In verse 1, he says, God shall, may God arise. May God arise. I want you to hold your fingers here with me in Psalm 68. 
And I want, you to, I want you to turn back with me to Numbers 10 because this opening verse is really a deliberate allusion to what would happen to God's people in the wilderness. Numbers 10. If you turn there with me. We're going to start at verse 33. And here's what that says. So they set out from the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them during these three days to find them a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered and may your foes flee before you. Whenever it came to rest, he said, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Now, there's some obvious similarities here, right? You look back in in verse 1 of Psalm 68, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. And then you look, and this is this is what Moses says as, as, as when they get up and go, when God is on the move with his people, when God is, is moving along with the people of Israel, Moses says, rise up, Lord, may your enemies be scattered, may your foes flee before you. We get a picture in the beginning of Psalm 68 that God is on the move. And when you read the rest of the psalm, you get the picture that God is on the move. You read verse 4 through 6, and God is riding through the deserts. 7 through 10, he's out with his people in the wilderness. And and 11 through 14, he's conquering Canaan. And ultimately, what God is doing is he is moving from Mount Sinai with his people in verse 1 to Mount Zion, which is just the place where his presence dwells, where his presence settles. And the point is this, that God is not dormant. God is not asleep. God is active. God is on the move. He was then and he is now. We worship an active God. God is awesome. God is active. A third thing I think we get from this is that God is the one true God. Back in David's time, there was a there was another god that people would worship. His name was Baal. Baal was the bringer of the rain. They said that he, that he rode on the clouds, that his power was in the clouds. I want you just to see what David says here. Verse 4, sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Verse 33, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. 34, proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. As I was reading this week, there are a lot of people who really think that David was speaking directly against this Baal God and the people who believed in him. Saying, this is, this God that I'm talking about here, this God that is arising, whose enemies are scattering, whose foes are fleeing, this God is the one true God. There is no other God but this God. He is awesome. He is active. 
He is true. I love this in verse 4. He is the father of the fatherless. Our God loves the orphans. He cares for the orphans. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a protector of the widows. He loves the lonely. It says he puts the lonely in families. And he gives the people who feel like they're all alone a family, a place to belong, that they are not alone any longer. He loves, what a picture here. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a protector of the widows. He loves the lonely. He provides for the needy. I love this imagery in verse 7 through 10. When you, God, went out before your people, again, David is alluding to the Israelites coming out of Egypt, wandering the wilderness. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it. And from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. I mean, this is what happens when God marches through the wilderness. This is what happens when God's people are in the wilderness. He provides for them. You can't read this and not see the provision of God, especially if you know the story of Israel. As they're wandering in the desert, they're thirsty, and so God provides water for them out of a rock. They're hungry, and so God physically, like literally rains down bread from heaven. He provides for his people. God is near to the needy. There's a quote from, from John Boyce. He says, kings and other rulers of the world do not act like this. They surround themselves with the noblest and richest of their lands, those who can enhance their glory and strengthen their power. Their highest glory of God is that he cares for the miserable and he surrounds himself with them. The highest glory of our God is that he cares for the miserable and he surrounds himself with them. Just think about this picture of God that we get in this psalm. He's the father of the fatherless. He is the protector of the widow. He loves the lonely. He provides for the needy. And if we, he provides for the needy. But I don't want us to just look at this picture and think of God as some sort of weak God who hangs out with the people who just, who need him. We have a powerful God. That psalm continues here in verse 14. It calls God Almighty. The the word that is used here in the original language is Shaddai. And it really just talks about the might and the majesty of God. This is the word that we use when we talk about God being all-powerful. We have a powerful God. A powerful God. This is the God that we serve. That he, he is the father of the fathers. He's a protector of the widows. He loves the lonely. He provides for the needy. But he is not a weak God. He is a very powerful God. He is God, the almighty, the all-powerful 
God. There's another verse in here that if you don't have underlined, you should. It's verse 19. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Daily bears our burdens. Now, this is kind of a, a shift here. Up to this point, David has been talking about God's activity through history, right? He's been alluding to the people of Israel. He's been going and talking about kind of past things that God has done. But then he gets to this, praise be to this God who daily bears our burdens. He's not talking about how God was active or God was on the move. He's talking about how God is active right now, today, that God is active every single day carrying our burdens. It reminds me of 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him, cast all your burdens on him. He cares for you. Yeah, this is, this is a, an amazing thing here. He continues kind of this, this, this thing with this more personal interaction with God in verse 24 because we read that this God is, is my God and King. And I want you to hear that word that I just said. I didn't say he's our God and King. I mean, we'll get there. But he's saying right now, he is my God and King. Verse 24, your procession, God, has come into view. The procession of my God and king into the sanctuary. David gets a little personal here. This is my God. It's kind of a personal picture of praise here. This David, David is writing about all the things that God has done. He's praising this God who has been active in history and who is active even now today, daily carrying our burdens. And he says, he is my God and king. But he does, he's not disconnected from everything, because if you keep reading, he gets, he gets down a little bit more. We'll read this again. Your procession, God, has come into view, the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front of the singers, after them the musicians, with them are the young women playing the timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Not only is God my God and King and your God and King, God is our God and king. He is, he is for all of us. This God loves and cares for all of us. But you and I are included in that. Sometimes it's easy to think about God as this God who is, who is overall and he just kind of cares for everybody, but we don't let it get personal. But God is it's your God and King. God cares for you. He daily cares for your burdens. He daily carries your burdens. And also everyone else's. This is, a, this is a powerful God. And this God that we read about in this psalm is deserving of praise. This God deserves praise. Verse 32, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, who, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God, 
This God is deserving of our praise. And I want you to see this. David is talking about a God who is dwelling with his people. He is protecting his people. He, he, he shows his power to these people. And he's giving them power. He's giving them strength. Why is he doing any of that? It's so that they can praise him. So that God's people can praise God. And this is what this is all about. This is what this psalm is all about. It's about praising this God, recognizing this God for who He is and praising Him because of that. And this God is, is a father to the fatherless. He protects the widows. He, he loves the lonely. He gives to the needy. He, this God is a powerful God. He's a God who, who, when he is on the move, his enemies scatter, his foes flee from him. He is an all-powerful God. This God, this our God, deserves praise. So what are the, what are the implications of this psalm for us this morning? First of all, we need to give glory to this God. This God deserves glory. We need to give glory to God. Secondly, we need to give our lives to this God's mission. I mean, we hear just a piece of what God's mission is in this psalm. He's a father to the fatherless. He protects the widows. He loves the lonely. He provides for the needy. Uh, we need to be about the mission of this God. This God that we give glory to, it cannot just be an outward say, yes, we give glory to you. Our lives need to be a conduit through which we give glory to God because if we really believe that God is this God and if we have really given our lives to this God, our lives will show it. We need to give our lives to the mission of this God. And this is just one of the reasons that I love baptism. Because in baptism, what these nine people today who are going to be confessing is this, God, I give you glory. You are my God. I claim you today in front of all of these people that you are my Savior. You are my God. I give you glory. But it's not just about giving God glory because as they go under and as they come back up, they are giving their lives to this God's mission. They're saying, God, I'm going to live for you. This is what this is about. This is what I am about, God. I give you glory and I give my life to your mission. This is what the psalm is all about. That's what baptism is all about. We serve a mighty God. Our God is a God who saves. He's a father to the fatherless. He protects the widow. He loves the lonely. He provides for the needy. But our all 
powerful God. He's a God who deserves praise, deserves all the glory, and he deserves our lives. We're going to celebrate this morning with nine people who have chosen to give their lives to this God and to live for his mission. Let's pray.